Good morning and welcome to Better Thyself segment of Dr. Lamba's Awakening Code. I have observed and seen that the people always talk, be reasonable, be logical. Logic as defined by the Mariam Webster Dictionary is a science that deals with the principles and criteria of validity of inference and demonstration is a science of formal principles of reasoning and this word along with other words, synonyms like reason, logic, things like that have become buzzwords. And then you know if I define it in the language of computers its arrangement of circuit elements needed for computation. So these buzzwords are so common the lexicon of the so-called mentors, life coaches, gurus that I feel it's in time not to be caught in the trap of logical thinking, so-called logical thinking. I agree, logic seems to be pervading all our thoughts and actions and in the process. What has we lost? We have not only lost the art of intuition, we have ignored willfully and wrongly the gut feeling, the inspiration, and have become incapable of action. Too much of philosophy, too much of logic is basically a hamless dilemma to be or not to be, to do or not to do. And the gut feeling, the instinct that comes from within, which makes you a man, a capable man, a human being. Failures would be there. There is a hundred percent guarantee that if you are so logical, you think of this and that and take all the pros and cons and jump with the thing, you will not be wrong, you will not fail. It's just like tossing the coin in the air. So what your gut feeling tells you, that's much more important. The most logical thought affections are guided by the loss gain concentration, as if our life, our work is double entry bookkeeping. We lose things, you gain something. We want everything and every outcome of our action to be a win-win situation. And that's not possible and that's not desirable. A win-win situation all the time is ultimately self-defeating. In organizations as well, we are used to thinking structured analysis to evaluate every decision threadbare so that it's a productive one. When I had my consultancy, I told my people that before you do anything, take the risk factors. Now, the problem is that the heart of the logical thinking is a fear of loss. We don't want, we are like ostriches. We want to hide our heads in the sand so that we they do not stare at the possible loss in the face. And this thinking comes from a strong attachment to the things we like and to our attachment to our body-mind identities. This fear-motivated reasoning brings with it a short-term goal. 
what is in this for me? This orientation, what is in this for me? is extremely destructive. Unless your intellectual faculties are purified by your ethical values, by your morality, you will not be able to break out of this myopic orientation. And you will be like a blind man going in circles. In India I have seen, you know, when they draw water or they have the oil mills in the old times, the bull would be covered with an eye patch so that you couldn't see it and he'd go around in circles unmindful. And that's what you become. I call this myopic orientation. And you will not be able to combine your intellect and heart to take the cruel, crucial decision. The ideal combination for taking a decision is that your heart and the intellect combine. They think on the same lines, they synchronize. But when you are just logical, you are evaluating in plus and minus, then those ethical values take off and the instinct, the gut feeling goes to sleep. If you read Bhagavad Gita, you find a powerful shloka that provides the framework to get out of the clutches of emotion, such as fear and anger. Vitaraj, Bhaya Krodha, Man Maya Maam Upanish, Bheo Jan Gyan Tapasya, Puta Mad Bhavam Agat. And it means in plain language, when a person is able to take refuge into the self-awareness by purifying your being by the fire of knowledge, spiritual wisdom, you are able to get rid of the negative emotions of fear, anger and attachment and attain the highest. So attachment, what is in this for me? Anger, if it loses. Fear, what if it happens? These emotions, when understand, become a negative force. And that is basically the end of your being a better human being. The Indian concept of Vedanta considers fear as the inhibitor of high action. We have to overcome fear. We have to transform the negative energies of fear, attachment and anger. That is a way to transform. Now, I somehow or the other am quite impressed by this attitude that something is going to happen. So take an action which is motivated by you, the thought which comes to you, the instinct, your gut feeling. And it's a powerful concept of tapas, the austerity of mental knowledge. You use your mental faculties to imbibe the highest ethical wisdom with sincerity, with grit, with iron determination. Assimilating it, making it a part of your life, your philosophy, your thinking would make your life come out real. And through the knowledge of fire, or fire of the knowledge, it will purify the mind and transmute negative emotions. It's a process of sublimation. 
So too much of logical thinking is antithesis and antithetical to creativity. No art was ever created by thought. It was all instinctive. No innovation was the result of endless do it or not. They were doing it and it evolved. It came out of it. So, blessed with the enlightened intelligence, a person is able to manifest the power of the purified heart. And the importance of combining the faculties of the head and heart cannot be denied. In our life there is sufficient room, infinite amount of feeling, as also a finite amount of reason. Now, look at it. Your feelings, your emotions are infinite, but the amount of logic and reasoning is finite. And you allow a finite resource to overpower the infinite resource. Isn't that being just stupid? Why not let both the finite and infinite come together? Let them run together like the railway track. Parallel lines, they don't intersect. But when there is an intersection, then accidents can happen. When there is a connection, then follow the heart. Whenever you are in a doubt between the head and the heart, follow the heart. And 9 out of 10, you will not regret that decision. When you follow just the head, you are not being anything except a being counter. And it is because the heart is that takes one to the highest plane where the intellect can never eat. Ultimately, as now the web telescope has been, the knowledge, the capability, the human mind is unlimited. But the knowledge you gain, the base of the reasoning, would always be limited. So, if you want to be inspired, then follow the heart. Because it's through the heart and heart alone that the inspiration comes. Inspiration never comes from knowledge. It comes from intuitiveness. It comes from your heart. Therefore, when we are able to work towards a higher purpose, and realize it through our action, we start purifying ourselves. And that purification, as I call it, the process of sublimation, your impulses are spontaneous. They are not colored by anger, by greed, by jealousy. So combined with the logical faculties, I'm not saying don't be reasonable, but don't be caught in the trap of reason. The motive force behind every decision will have to be a more collective and empathetic endeavor. Now men and women with the mindset will be able to flood the world with unbounded character energy. Look at all the art, look at all the thought, philosophy. That was not the result of logical thinking. Logical thinking came as a result of that work. They did something. And then other people thought, how did he write it? Could you th do you think that you could have written the plays of Shakespeare by logical thinking? You could have created Mona Lisa, Whistler's, or Vincent van Gogh's painting, or Michelangelo's frescoes by thought. It was instinctive. 
So this instinct, this gut feeling, is something which supports you. An intrinsic fearlessness arises when you follow the gut feeling, and that makes you a better human being. After all, what's the difference between an animal? You say, and I was talking about it something. They say animals don't think; they are only logical. But did I say don't think? I said combine the two. What happens is when you are just thinking, you are caught in a trap. Like fly is caught in the web. Don't be caught in the web. The first thing is, say whatever comes to your mind, write it down. Then think whether it's logical or not. And I'll weigh everything on zero to ten scale. But I'll never be caught in the trap of logical thinking because this is this, this is this. This should be done. No. Somebody asked my brother, "Where I am these days?" He says, "Well, yesterday he was here. Today, I know where he is. I can tell you. But tomorrow, where he is, nobody knows. And that's a fact. I lived my life based on my instinct. I changed my job, changed my style, and gave orders, which, in the beginning, people thought, 'Well, this is going to be a disaster.'" And it was not. Never. I practically would say that I never had such a failure in my life, and that is what made me what I am. So don't be afraid of being illogical, and you would be happy. Let me tell you, you would not regret it. And if you don't regret it. What more do you want? That's what life is. So live it as it is. Thank you. Good morning, and welcome to Better Thyself segment of Dr. Lamba's Awakening Call. We always say, past is dead. Let's bury the past. Let's not bother with the future because future is yet to be. Live, live in the living present. And yet, we are all obsessed, all of us, by the memory of the past, by the nostalgia, and by the mirage of the future, which is uncertain. Believe it or not, most of us are habitually defending our past. As a sacred event of life, even though it's not important, and usually destiny is given all the credit for everything that had happened. Well, this was bound to be. This was destined. This is what the God wanted, and all that talk of the concept of destiny, which might be good, but. Is good only until it gets applied to our past. Because what is, even if it was destined, it happened and it's over. It's better to bury it, bury it fathoms deep, so that it doesn't come to haunt us, good or bad. However, 
an emphasized reliance on this philosophy can be potentially disastrous. If you want to be a better person, a better performer, a better human being, then you have got to understand that the past is dead. It's like the dead weeds in your lawn which has to be removed. And if you don't do that, it will choke the fresh plants. The fresh plants will be choked by the weeds and you will be left with a desolate garden and not with a thing of beauty which can be joyful forever. The moment one relies on the secret outcomes of the so-called destiny, what are the chances? Chances are that the complacency, sense of complacency, well, since it was destined to happen, it will happen even now. And then there is an inertia, inertia of action. Well, things would happen. I can't do much, so why should I bother? And that paralyzes you mentally, if not physically. And mental paralysis is worse than the physical one. The idea of the destiny definitely gives you relief from pain. Since it's not in your control, so why be bothered? This is somebody else, some higher deity, some outside agency. It does allow you as an individual to accept something which is not in your control and it seeps into self-consciousness. But then, is this not just like living on cannabis or an opiate? The moment you let the mode of justifying your past, you enter into that mode and you can believe that your day of achievement is over. The moment you do that, the chances are that you might not be learning from it. If you have learned, you would have learned where you faltered and taken corrective action so that you don't falter again. But if you still think that the destiny caused it to happen in the past and it will happen in the future as well, that is where you become a rabot. Think about it. It's quite possible that you are just willingly, knowingly, willfully ignoring your past and its mistakes. I have come across many people and these people vehemently argue to justify their destiny. Such people are rarely keen to retrospect in their right spirit. The sense of retrospection is always bound with a sense of introspection. You have to analyze the past, find out where you went wrong and ensure that this does not happen again. But that does not mean live in the past. You have to learn from the past, not live in the past. Future, of course, you should never bother. Have your goal and keep on working for that. Now. The people who always live in the past, as you know the Persian saying is Pidram Sultan Bhut, our ancestors were the kings, what difference does it make? My family traditions are that, 
who the hell is bothered about the family traditions? If you are not living them, if you are living them, that's fine. Our ancestors were great. I mean, this is happening nowadays in India a lot. We talk of the past glory, of a great architecture, of a great art. What are we today? If we will learn why this thing happened, why you lost the glory, and then revive it, that is something positive. But if you just feed yourself on the glory that is past, that has no validity, then it's not applicable. Such people, you know, who live in the past, who just take glorification of the past, are never ready to acknowledge the wrong moves they might have taken, whether as an individual or as a nation. Now, when I talk of you as an individual, the same can be amplified as a community, as a country, as a nation, as a religious group. Fate, destiny is good to apply only for a past recalibration that may not have much to be carried forward. So we have umpteen times come across the quote, past is gone. However, the sea of action between quoting a utopian fact and embodying it in our lives, we forget about that. You must have read about people who could not pass a particular examination and resorted to suicide. It happens very often. The results come out and some young impressionable minds think they have failed and they commit suicide. There are many such cases of grown-ups who cannot come out of their past failures. Now there are two ways. Either you keep on living in the past because of its glory, or you keep living in the past because you cannot come out of the morass, the sadness, the dejection, the pool of that in which you are immersed. And overindulgence in your past can blind you from a tremendous prospective present and future. You, the present, in fact, is a ground for getting future ready. And one update that we can all bring to our life today and every day is to start living in your present. Well, that's his yesterday. Let me tell you very frankly, no individual practically no, is ever able to separate the past from the present. Never. It's very rare people who do it. But those who do it are really the people who are different. For the majority of the people, the past is a cage that does not allow the sunshine of today to peep in. What to talk of tomorrow? Tomorrow may be very bright, but still far distant. So you have got to break that cage, that cell. You have to come out of that jail, jail of the past. Similarly, you have got to ensure that you are not lost in the desert of the future, because that's indeterminate. You have to do it. Now, how to do it? The best way to come out is to refuse your mind to accept the past. It is, has to be a, it, give me a couple of, it has to be willful action, deliberate action. 
you must stop relishing the delicacies of the past and the failures of the past. Both. From the failures you learn and from the good things, okay, you enjoyed it, fine, get over. Now, if you want to create something new, if you want to revitalize your life with a lot of hope, with a lot of energy, then what you do is diffuse the impact of your past experience. And let me tell you, it's not going to happen all of a sudden. So the process of diffusing has to be a second nature ingrained. And today if you want to start it, say, okay, this was rationalized. This was when I was a child. This was when I was a young man. I was a teenager. I was an adult. And this was when I started my career. Like that, you know, make it into groups and start forgetting them. Have you seen in some families, some family members cannot free, breathe even freely in their present in many households. Every day, the parents, the siblings, the relations remind, you did this thing in the past. So what? So every incident today is deemed to be an offshoot of something unfruitful from the past. You can't do it. You have never done it, so how can you do it? So that sort of a thing you have got to revolt against. And I'm calling on you to rebel. Because unless you rebel against the constraints, you would never be able to get rid of the chains that are binding you. So, you have to walk into the next moment without any negative vibration of the past. And the tragedy happens when the people get lost in the morbid extrapolations. Now, imagine someone screams the abuse to you on the phone. What happens next? You are hearing a phone and somebody abuses you. You become anxious. You become angry. You become nervous. And you are very uncomfortable. It will become challenging to you to discuss it. And you can't focus on the work or the work in hand for the next few seconds, a few minutes, a few hours, depending on. You now visualize that somebody has misbehaved with you on the phone, a couple of months have passed since the incident, would you still have the same heat of that filthy phone call? No. Because if you are yes, you are still having the same feeling of anger, same feeling of being uncomfortable, then you have not learned to live in the present. So ideal situation is to become more potent than your emotional upheaval and have the ability to absorb your anxieties, absorb them. One more villain in this village of the past is the human ego. As I said, Putram Sultan, our ancestor, that's the ego. And sometimes it becomes hugely inflated and unreasonably allows or disallows a person to agree or accept mistakes. I recently saw a web series where the boss who sounded absolutely ruthless one day turned out to be a very caring and compassionate person. Then I was reminded of my own way. I was deemed to be 
brutal man, careful man. One day in my factory, a lady got bitten by a snake. And I immediately saw to it that the, without concentration of the money, she should be given the best treatment and she survived. In the meantime, I didn't stop her salary. As I know, she'll be paid whatever may happen. So had my then the whole perception changed. Had the my employees locked their own opinion on one day experience, then you can see how much difference it would make. So make peace with your past. Bury it. Rest in peace. R.I.P. And the only way to let the flower bloom is present, if you are feeling sad and disheartened, give yourself a chance. Cut the past, relax, think about the future and act in the present. Introspect. You may realize that you were under illusion, that you were under some false hopes, you were under unrealistic fantasies, born out of your being unworthy, which is wrong. Don't forget, time is a vector that moves dot by dot, moment by moment, second by second. It can only travel in one direction, forward. It can never go back. It's unidirectional vector movement. So if you miss one vector, one dot, you have missed a lot. The future must always be attributed to the power of creation. And the power of creation is now. It must be your core human value that the future brings all possibilities till it converts into the past. So every vector moment you travel, the thing is over. So you have to make all efforts to embrace our now, this second, this moment. I think I told you once about my experience with a lady, a professor from Toronto University. She was my employee at that time. And we had to go and train IES officers in Bangalore. There was a training period program was for a week. After one week I had to go to Delhi for another work and she was to come back to Toronto. So one week we interacted with each other. We will discuss what's to be done today, what's to be done tomorrow where we have faltered and learned and do something. And the last day after the relativity event, we were going to the airport. And she started discussing it and I was lost in my few thoughts about the daily. She said, Dr. Lamba, what's happened? I mean, say you. I said, look here, Pat, that thing is over. For me, it's dead and gone and buried. But I said, that was a great experience. And you have learned something, how to do it, something new for you. But then just learn from it. Don't try to impose on that. Don't let it impede your present. Don't let it obstruct your future. That's what you have got to do. If you want to be a better person, forget the past. Take care of the future, but live in the present. As I said, let the flower of joy bloom in the present and that will lies happiness thank you